Welcome to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. Whether you feel that you don't have enough money to start investing or are under the preconceived notion that investing is only for the wealthy, Magnus and his expert guests are here to help you. Now here is your host, Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Magnus Carter. Uh, you are on the Making More Money for You show on Voice America. You know, last week we had a great, you know, a great talk about food, restaurants, the whole industry and whatnot. Uh, you know, I want to th- take a special thank you to Chef Dr. Mike for taking some time out of his, you know, his busy schedule from cooking and saving lives with cardiology patients. You know, big, big thing to do there. Uh, you know, if you missed anything on that, go back to last week's show on your favorite platform, wherever you listen to podcasts or on voiceamerica.com. We had some great tips and tricks to use leftovers, how to save money at the grocery store, and also the, to increase your health a little bit. So that was last week. But this week is something that you know I wanted to talk about as a business professional, also my own business, the, my whole branding. Uh, it actually goes along the lines with a couple of the branding shows we had uh, when we had uh, um, those folks on earlier this year. So this week is all going to be about protecting your copyright, your branding, your trademarking. We're going to do all that, your intellectual property. And with me to do that today, I have a very special guest, uh, Brian Johnson. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Brian, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you actually got into the field of being uh, a trademark lawyer and a patent lawyer and all this stuff? Absolutely. I uh, started my career out of uh, university uh, at uh, AT&T Bell Labs. I was an electrical engineer, computer scientist for four to five years there. And uh, when I looked around at my first career uh, choice, I said to myself, I said, this is interesting. And uh, I had a couple inventions that I was involved with. Uh, We we patented a few things and I said, hmm, this looks like an interesting thing to do. Uh, looking at the industry, and as we're going back to the, the mid, uh, early to mid '90s now, I said to myself, "I said, look, I, you need another intellectual pursuit here." So I went to law school. Uh, went, I went to NYU. I uh, got my law degree there. Worked at several law firms, uh, less one of the largest law firms in New York City. There uh, and we're doing patent law work, and so out of uh, right out of NYU, I you have a technical background. You take the patent bar, you take the regular bar, you take all that stuff. Um, and uh, you can make your way in the IP world. Uh, the, the about forty, it's, it's it's estimated now that forty percent of the value of most businesses now, right now today, are locked up in IP. Whether it's their patents, their trademarks, their copyrights, or trade secrets, it's all locked up in that. And we're in competition worldwide with China and Korea and Japan and, and Europe, the European Union, all with those assets. Uh, and that's how U.S. companies compete now. So every time you see something on a shelf, you sell it. Uh, maybe it has a patent associated with it. Maybe a trademark associated with it. Um, it also has IP associated with it for the very reasons that I just mentioned. And those are all important assets of the companies that try to procure them. Uh, I've spent the last 25 years of my career with uh, large law firms as well as corporations. I've worked for Nokia, I've worked for Siemens, uh, procuring those assets and protecting those assets. Okay. Well, er, as we know, uh, 
if you're still new to the the whole business world and investing and whatnot, asset is something that contains value and something that you can sell, something you can trade, something that it could be liquidated and has value to you. Uh, just, you know, we talked, oh, there's a lot to talk about here. So let's, let's dive into, um, let's dive into a patent. First of all, why would somebody want a patent to, um, to actually apply for a patent? And what's a patent actually good for? That's a great question. I just got a patent today for one of my clients. I'm staring at it right here on the floor. It just issued today. Patents issue every Tuesday, by the way, from the U.S. Patent Office. Patent Office is now up to 11,661. And the reason that you would get into the patent space is the following. Uh, if you have an invention, uh, some type of method that's novel or an apparatus that's novel, you would file claims and you, you, you draft up which basically a technical description. It's kind of a technical document. And you say, look, this is all the, these are all the different elements and here's how they all work together. And here's the new things they do. Could be a computer software design, could be a hardware design. It could be uh, as simple as a, a mixing machine. You know, KitchenAid has patents, okay? They have, everybody's got patents on their devices so that nobody can look at them, uh, nobody can uh, copy them to the exactness of whatever the patent description is. You basically approach patent attorney, you say, look, I'd like a patent. And the attorney spends some time with you technically, sits down, writes the entire thing up in a technical description format, and you put it into the patent office. One thing, Magnus, that most people don't appreciate or realize is that USPTO is not a fast-moving machine. Yeah. It takes two to three years to get your first examination. So you can file a patent. The patent that I just got today was filed on October 1, 2021, and that's pretty fast. The reason wow. that's fast is because I applied on behalf of some elderly people, and there's a way to get patents through a little bit faster with some special procedures. But for the most part, it sits in the US Patent Office for a couple of years. That's both a good and a bad thing, right? So let's talk about the asset that you mentioned before. It, it's good in the sense that you have a running patent that you can always devolve inventions off of that written description that you put in. It's bad for investors because investors always want to see immediate value. They Their time frame is this, this, this wide. Your business time frame, if you're running a business, is infinite. So big, better, bigger, Patents that last forever, uh, which they don't, they only last 20 years. But the point is, you can take patents and extend them for quite a while to protect the business if you write them correctly up front. And so it's a, the, the basis of patents is the invention, what's our business, um, what are we trying to protect? Some of the largest patents I've seen were filed in, in the year 2000 or somewhere thereabouts with a dot-com boom, eBay, Amazon, some of those companies had like 40, 50 page patents and it was top to bottom, soup to nuts, everything that their business was doing. And they were driving patents off that for 20 years, which is the duration of a patent from the filing date now. So this is, it was essential to their business. The ones that did it successfully uh, were able to hold the competitors at bay. Um, that's a whole different aspect of IP protection. It's very expensive to enforce it, but it's catch-22 on the asset problem. If your business is doing well, then it's worth protecting. Go get a patent. And then if it's worth protecting, other people are going to try to invade the space and you're going to want to enforce it against them. Okay. Well, that's that makes a, a good thing here. So if you just submitted your patent 
Is that where we get the patent pending coming from? And you can, you can put patent pending on anything that's filed. And there's a special procedure at the USPTO where if you have an initial conception of an idea, this is a US only paradigm. And mm -hmm. I have a background being having worked at Siemens and Nokia being foreign companies. Uh, in, 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 I've been all around the world. South America, India, Japan, so only in the United States can you protect an idea with a simple conception. So anyone that has a patent that is written up in, a, in a somewhat of a technical format, you could take that, slap a cover page on it, and put it into the USPTO. And what that results in is a provisional patent. Within one year, you have to file all U.S. and international patents. So you got a one-year time frame there, but the important part is that you get that provisional. And the United States moved to a first-to-file country, which is what the way the rest of the world works in 2013. So getting your idea in quickly to the USPTO to protect the idea is the most important part. You can do that very cheaply with a provisional patent a year down the road. If your company is doing well, let's say you're a startup, and I represented hundreds of those. Okay. And what you want to do is you want to make that, you want to perfect that and then add on to it and so on and so forth. So, yes. Okay. Well, that's, that's definitely good to know, especially it's all, it's always been a race, uh, to get, race. to get it in first, you know, you don't want to be second out. Cause I remember having, uh, Dan O'Toole on because of drone deck. I remember talking with him. He got the drone deck patent in before USPS FedEx. Uh, you know all the all the major players out there, and he was like, "Yeah, they meet." He beat them by a week, so yeah, uh, it's, st it's matters, still booming. Yeah. Unfortunately, and, it matters now. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I see I, that's a whole completely different show out there. Because just seeing what he's doing with that patent, I can only imagine what the other guys would have done if they would have got there first. You know, it's it's ridiculous, especially with uh, the time frame that you need to do this. Um, so when you put when you put the provisional in or the fully filed U.S. patent, you can put patent pending on every, uh, uh, and you almost have to on the goods or products or services of which with 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 which they're involved, um, and that gives you look. It puts the it puts the world on notice. That's a notice function, okay. Right? okay. So basically, you're saying, look, we have intellectual property protection in the space. Here's what we're somebody would have to go find the patent, see what it was covering exactly. But you, you've given everybody kind of. It's also a sophistication paradigm, Magnus, because most businesses, it's the first to market, right? It's the first mover advantage uh, in economic terms. You want to be the first one out. You want to be the first one here, first one there. You get the great, better marketing channel, better retail channel, better, better sales channel. Um, it, the patent gives you a little bit of extra credo in that regard. And not only are we doing this business well, but we're protecting it. And that's rare. That's usually a uh, consideration that a lot of entry businesses uh, put on the back burner. And I always advise them that that's not it, a little bit of money spent over there too matters. Oh, right. The little bit now can cost you, you know, bigger amounts later on, which I'm finding out right now, which we'll get into, you know, either later on in the show, what's going on with that. But, you know, as we're talking about intellectual property and whatnot, um, copywriting, you know, I'm an author. You know, I have a publishing company. You know, we got to protect. Uh, my, I got to protect my works from plagiarism, from um, even past plagiarism, or even getting the the ideals out and whatnot of copying me, and you know, using that information for ill will. You know, how is now? How does copywriting uh, a document or a um, a source of media differ from doing a patent? 
So let's go through the different IP paradigms. You've got patents, which protect an invention. That's a, a method or okay. an apparatus that's a novel. And you claim that it's novel because you did some searching. You didn't see it out there. Nobody's done it before you filed a patent office. There's two constitutional, there's two constitutional IP protections. One is patent, the second is copyright. Copyright is authorship. So anyone who creates a work of art, and it's called work of art in terms of constitutional language, what it really means is it's a written product, it's a video product, it's a, it could be a, a dance, could be dance moves, could be a, a, par a paradigm, could be uh, music, um, lyrics, all those other things. Those are all copyrightable. And what happens with copyright magnets is they are protected the minute that the author prescribes that artistic expression in a tangible medium. The very first time the play is performed on Broadway, automatically copyrighted by constitutional statute. Now, can you protect it with some official filings? Yes, a little bit different from Pat, totally different from Pat. You can't sue anybody on it until you file it with the Copyright Office. So you would want to do those things with new works, a new book, a new score of music and everything like that, new versions of Newsweek or the New York Times. You're going to want to copyright those, and all the publishers have paradigms by which they do that. So what you're protecting versus patent, you're not protecting invention now, protecting a method or an apparatus, you're protecting an artistic expression. And that can come in six different forms. It could be dance, could be written, it could be musical, lyrical, all those things. That's where copyright lies. Let's move on. Let's talk about two other ones, too, in the IP space. In 1942, the Lanham Act was passed, and that act allowed for formal registration of a trademark. What's okay. trademark? Trademark's a trade name, or it's a slogan, or something that designates a source and origin of goods and services. So if you're producing a bunch of good stuff, possibly patented, possibly copyrighted, but you want to know that this particular company, Amazon, eBay, Microsoft, is making those, then they file for a trade, the company itself files for a trademark. And you can get a trademark on a particular good, Pringles can, Pringles chips, one example. Saran wrap, another example. That one fell into generic use because everybody started using a generic Xerox, constantly the same thing. The point is you, you have a word or slogan or phrase and you say, this is what we're going to put on our goods and services when we introduce them into the stream of commerce. And that designates the source and origin of it going back to the company that generated those assets. Um, so you want to protect things in a, in a couple different ways. Then you've got the patents, which is the inventions. You've got the copyrights, which is the artistic expression. And then trademarks was kind of, think of it as a business channel of trade. There's one other aspect of IP that I'd like to bring up, and that's trade, uh, that's trade secrets. The Coca-Cola formula is the classic example of that. There are four components to it. One of each of four people, in two of them are Atlanta, two of them are somewhere else in the world. They're the only ones that know it. That's why Pepsi can't make it taste the same because it's a trade secret. What they've done is they found a way to keep something under wraps within their cooperative uh, corporate community so that only those people know what it is. So you don't want to let those trade secrets out. If they're that valuable, you don't want to patent them. You don't want to write them out in a patent, in a U.S. Right. patent. 
They're not trademarkable. Coca-Cola is trademarkable. It's one of the most valuable trademarks in the world. It's not copyrightable. You want to keep it as a trade secret. So when you're developing something new, and especially to start the business, you're going to have to decide as you go along your business path, which of the few paradigms that you want to protect and follow and do it with uh, the right acumen so that that business can get off the ground. All right. Yeah, that's that's uh, a lot to take in, especially for depending on what type of business you're going into. Uh, not not every business is going to use each one of them. Precisely. So to, and that's going to be, you know, that's that's where a lot of the planning is coming out of, especially, you know, as I'm doing my thing is uh, the making more money for you brand. You know, that's the brand name that I, I'm that we're working on. We'll get more into that in a little bit. Uh to to be fair with everything is now when we do copywriting i want to go back to that a little bit because i know a lot of my a lot of my authoring friends and co-writers and stuff are, are really paying attention to this because they have all these questions even though we get answers we're not getting the right answers um or consistent answers, I should say, because each person does it differently and it's not really hard. It's hard to figure out which is the actual proper one and which is actually the the legal one. And talking to a lawyer, as I'm talking with you right now, because when asking someone for legal advice on this, they don't want to be held liable because of, because of that. So now when we talk about copyright, can one copyright cover multiple forms of media? So let's go back to the concept of copyright. It's imbued by constitutional nature the minute you create it. So you already have the copyright Uh on it. To enforce it is a whole different paradigm. In order to enforce it, you file with the copyright office and get you a little certificate of registration. That's a relatively inexpensive process in terms of the four IP regimens we just talked about. So you can copyright anything, but the, that, that just basically says, it's the, the circle C versus the registered copyright notice on the bottom. It's all about notice. So whenever anybody designs a web page, writes a manuscript, does anything, you're gonna wanna put copyright on the bottom, which you're allowed to do by constitutional nature and as described to who it, belongs to so that you're putting the world on notice that that's a copyrighted piece of material and that's the most important thing i tell my clients because what they don't appreciate is your damages only start when notice is provided so nobody's you can't go back on a book or a record or lyrics or whatever until that notice is provided and say ah i have the notice as of you know uh, may 30 2023 here, uh, it's right here on this thing. So on the bottom of web pages, on the bottom of everything. And that's one of the most easily fixable things that I give my clients. So as part of my services that I offer, look, I get on my client sites all the time. It's, very, it's almost the first thing I do when I, well, what, what are they doing lately, right? So I get on the site, I look I look at the bottom. Like, how are you doing? You got your trademarks, you got TMs here, you got circulars there, you got here. Where's your copyright notice at the bottom? No copyright notice. Okay, so I provide that advice. And I say, look, you got to get this stuff lined up so that people understand that this is um, what you consider to be your artistic expression. Trademarks, equally valuable. Same notices have to be provided. You have a trademark on something, this is how you're branding something. Then make sure that there's a, the, either the TM or the circle R, if it's a registered trademark, uh, next to it. Uh, that notice is critical. Okay. And 
like we're like you said before, if there's no notice on it and something happens before you put it on there, you can't go back after it. It's you can't. It's you, it's, you, you complicated your problems. Okay. Well, I, I kind of like not complicating things. Mm. <laughs> I'd rather do it right the first time, save a lot of time, save money, yeah. save, you know. And, and so, just to clarify, Magnus, for patents, so let, let's go for timing. Let's talk a little bit about timing here. Okay. Uh, trade secrets, they're kept inside the company. You keep them. Nobody knows about them. A couple people know about it. That's it. Patents, it's the first to file. Once they're filed, that's it. Um, they can't go back. It's 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 a matter of public record, and you can't patent that particular thing ever again. So let's say you filed on a patent, mm-hmm. decided not to complete it, ran out of money, the company closed down, whatever. That patent goes into the public domain. So there's a mm-hmm. bunch of different defensive paradigms with patents that don't exist with other IP that I counsel my clients on. I've had, look, I've represented hundreds of startup companies. The issue there is, do they want to continue? They don't. Is their business good or isn't it? The point being, at least we filed a patent and nobody can patent that thing again, even if the original patentee didn't follow through with it. It's in the public domain, not allowed to be patented. Trademarks, totally different issue. Trademark, come and go. You can file on the same trademark four, five, seven times. You can drop it for 10 years, pick it back up again. Same class of goods and services. And so in trademark land, what you have is you have a mark and it's used with a certain class of goods and services. If you're selling uh, Magnus Pizza, it's different than you know Magnus Software. They're two totally different things. You can have two trademarks that are identical in name, okay. but they're on different goods and services. Um, and you can refile and do whatever. So it's a little bit more malleable in that regard, in terms of the business you're conducting. It requires more diligence to follow and pay attention to. Copyright, remember, that imbues exactly the moment you create it. So you have copyright. We're copywriting this video cast right now. Yes. Oh, even better. Okay. We're, this, okay. This video cast is copyrighted as I'm speaking. And we could file it with the U.S copyright office and get a cop get a circle c on it whatever who's going to copy this i mean where's the where's the business value and so as a practitioner one of the things that i often have to divine is looking at a business i ask my clients this all the time you've experienced this yourself uh where's the business where's it going what are you doing where's the value that's my first question and the last one that i ask my clients where's your business where's your value where's going what's it doing in between the two ends of that conversation, how do we protect it? Well, I have a I have a scenario here. Actually, this, since we brought up this podcast or this radio, live radio show, I had actually I didn't realize it until after the fact of the show was over that somebody, one of my guests, actually used a bot, um, an AI yes. bot, to record it, and I don't honestly. I own all the rights to this. I, yeah, I will get. I will. You speak absolutely. And you know, if you want rights, I'll gladly grant you the rights to use whatever you want. Which I will actually send an email to you, you after this, saying, "Hey, if you want to chop this up, do whatever you want with it. It's you know, it's fair game." But so, as we're doing this, she was actually in the wrong. If we're talking about this, that she was actually infringing on my copyright without my permission. Correct. 
and you can contractually bind yourself any way you want business-wise with that person. You give it to them royalty-free. You could give it to them for a small token royalty. Um, and proving that you have copyright something is, is sometimes valuable as well. So even if she gave you a dollar, I mean, it, it, whether the dollar transfers on the, on, you know, on your bank accounts or PayPal or whatever is irrelevant. The point is when you contract with somebody, and I'm a business lawyer too, right? So necessarily with all my IP practice, it's everything's business. Uh, you want to create an agreement, have those two, uh, to allow, to license that person to use that copyright. And if you're like, look, you'll use this portion, you can't use that portion. This is, I consider this stuff special. This is my moniker, you can't use that. You can use this, you can't use that. This is all, these are all business considerations that are paramount and uh, quintessential to most businesses. Okay. Well, that's that's a good education right there for, for me <laughs> because I thought I, I actually asked her about that. I'm like, you, you can't be using that. And I need that back. I need those files back because those are mine. Right. Um, she failed to comply. And I, I'm like, okay, I dropped the show. I completely took it off the air. I took all recognition off of it for everything else. So I'm like, if you're going to do that. So you suffered a business loss because of an IP right. Right. And I took I took her for her future earnings off of it because she wanted to promote her show, uh, her her course and whatnot. And I would have gladly done that for her. There, until, you go. there it is. Because it, it wasn't asked prior to beforehand. That's exactly. It. So, okay, well, that is definitely someone out there is probably having some sort of similar issue out there. Um, maybe not to the extent that I've had or is in the process of doing that. You know, this is what this is all about. And this is one topic that I really wanted to hammer, ha hammer down because a lot of my, a lot of people I know are just starting out in business. We don't really know all this and whatnot. And so look at it this way. Uh, again, business first. Thanks. Mm -hmm. the, imagine the amount of time that companies spend, they got their first big deal. I want to get this contract in place. I want this. I want this ten million dollar deal to work out. Give me this. I'm making whammo frisbees. I'm making expensive software. It doesn't matter. It's the same business product. Imagine how much time and effort, both in terms of the executives, the corporate personnel, the lawyers, are writing that agreement. Do you know how many times that I've had to come on in to an agreement that's mid baked and say you don't have enough IP coverage in here? One of the things that I did at Siemens and Nokia is I would have to come into the different business units, depending on where I was working at the time, okay. and say, the IP coverage in this particular agreement is not sufficient. We need to get deeper. We need to get this locked down. Because at the end of the day, money exchanges hands, product goes out the door, people are happy and satisfied. What's the one remaining thing? It's usually either a liability issue, if you're making a... a uh, a type of chemical or something that hurts somebody, you know, think, think, uh, the stuff you put on your lawn, you know, that, that kills the grass. Uh, oh, yeah. Wish kill. Oh, that's, uh, yes, exactly. That's difficult. The, the indemnity there is what you, what you're trying to avoid. But the other side, the only other term that usually comes up is IP. IP okay. winds up being, hey, we didn't tell you you could make this or make a derivative work of this piece of cop. They took the copyrighted material, they changed it a little bit. You got AI bots doing this now with Dolly, right? Mm -hmm. uh, make it driven to work because you're not allowed to do that. 
uh, it's difficult. It's becoming more difficult in some of the IP spaces to keep yourself protected in those regards. So the contractual remedy, think about these two things. In your business, you've got the IP remedies, which is the filing and formal registration of copyrights, trademarks, patents, okay. keeping trade secrets. Then you've got the contractual remedy of, hey, we signed an agreement. We agreed that we would do or not do this. We agree that you wouldn't take this or would take this. We agree that you could change this or wouldn't change this. Two different paradigms. As a business owner, you want to have your hands in both places and protected in both places so that your business can succeed. Awesome. And that is a phenomenal place to take a commercial break. We're already halfway through the show. <laughs> it is phenomenal how we're talking about the law the legal legalities of trademark protection and uh, intellectual property. Everybody, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back and we're going to dive in some more. Thank Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. If you have any questions for Magnus or his guests, join us on the show at 866-472-5789. That's 866-472-5789. Now back to the show. Here is Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. It is a very enlightening show about intellectual property. You know, we're covering the gamut here from trademarks to copyrights and everything in between. I have Brian Johnson here, which I am actually using his legal services. So I know he is a legit law lawyer here. So just that so everybody knows he's not got some guy picked off the street. <laughs> I'm actually using his services as we speak for actually trademarking. So if you have any legal questions about anything that we've talked about, copywriting, trademarking, anything else related to business or intellectual properties, give us a call at 1-866-472-5789. 472 
5789. Brian, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me. You know, we covered a lot of great content in the first half. It's you know, it's very enlightening how how many loopholes and legalese you have to know and you know, the minefield you have to actually you know, circumnavigate uh, navigate if you will to actually get something um to be passed either by the copyright people, actually by the government in general, we'll just say, <laughs> you know, I, each branch of wherever our forms go to, it still has to be gone through the government. That's it. So, you know, we, we were talking about just before about getting into both aspects of filings. Um, so that's actually quite quite interesting, especially a little over the break. We talked about the poor man's copyright, which is basically just copywriting um, as, as you're producing it and just having, you know, your, our constitutional. So let, let's go into some of that timing while we're waiting for some oh, questions sure. that exist. The patent lasts for 20 years from the filing date, the initial filing date. Okay. So that's that time period, and then it expires. The deal there is the U.S. government government gives you this exclusive right. It's not a monopoly. Don't use the word monopoly. That's not the right word. You have an exclusive right to perform that app or make that apparatus or perform that method for 20 years from the initial filing date that expires. Trademarks do not have an expiration date. They have renewal dates. Renew them. Patents do as well. Uh, And copyrights can last beyond the life of the author for 50 years. So they go out for a while as well. So there's different time frames on each one of these intellectual property rights. We talked about trade secrets, obviously, if they're kept well, like the Coca-Cola formula, mm-hmm. they last forever. Now, I got a question about trade secrets. Uh, we'll talk about food trade secrets here because, you know, we know KFC, Coca-Cola, oh, e- yeah. each one of these have, formula. Yeah, they have their own secret formula. So how do they get around not being, not telling the people what's, the actual ingredients in there to one prevent any health issues of like allergies or anything and also for nutritional facts well listen the fda has its own regulations and if they say that you have to put a certain thing in a certain box at a certain time whether it's the caloric intake or whether it's the composition of a food product or whatever you're obligated to do that how you mix it up and make it happen the the magic sauce uh, so to speak uh what you do in the kitchen it is not regulated um, for the most part by a governmental agency. So uh, it's like doing a screen scrape. You, you get to see the outside without seeing all the work that went into making the actual thing. Um, so while simultaneously protecting your IP, whether it's trade secret, trademark, patent, a tra- uh, a copyright, you still have to comply with all the rest of the laws. So somewhere in there, this is why people hire attorneys. Is like, oh, well, I got to do this. How do I manage doing this while doing this as well? It's a great question. Okay. Yeah, because that was one thing. It's like no one really knows this, the herbs and spices in it, um, especially for that. Uh, well, basically protect their branding and whatnot. Because Coca-Cola, when we see everything on the on the labels, we see it, but we don't know how much of everything's right. in there. And we don't really know all of the ingredients since you just depicted right here how much caramel goes in there right i always i always love caramel <laughs> caramel yeah i know what a caramel is i have them once in a while i'm not a big sweet tooth guy but i get them i like them how, how much caramel is in there and how do they infuse it do they cook it at a certain temperature for how long 
right? Let's go down the food chain. How long do you cook it? How long do you let them uh, metabolize the syrup? How long does the sugar bake? You can't do it too hot. You can't do it too cold. So there's a whole pro There's a lot of variables are that are involved in that one ingredient that goes in cook. You're you're right. And one thing that I find fascinating when I started actually taking better you know, better care of my health and whatnot is there's sugar and then there's added sugar. So is it, is it two types of sugar in there or is it sugar at one stage and then sugar at another stage? Who knows? That's, <laughs> because I always find that it's like total, total carbs, 75 carbs. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, you see the original stuff is like 25 and then an extra 50 something. It's like, Oh no, thank you. We will just move along from this product and put it back. Um, exactly. so you did make an interesting, uh, point there. So the fear and death administration, um, they control what actually goes on the boxes. So the, do they have, I guess they have a patented, um, source of what they have to do, uh, and procedures for that. If you do food, am I correct? Well, the FDA has, yeah, sure. They have penultimate rights. They, you can't put stuff out without, uh, properly labeling it. Okay. Um, or the drug or, or drugs, you know, I mean, the, the, the pharmaceutical industry is, look, they have, <laughs> there's as many patent attorneys as our FDA uh, attorney practicing types inside of uh, Pfizer and stuff like that, because simply because they have so many regulations, the, the books are thick, they're really thick uh, as to what they have to uh, subscribe to and understand and do properly or be fined uh, or otherwise, you know, uh, uh, sanctioned and they don't want that because that's obviously a business impediment okay well we're this is a great segue so we're talking about impediments and fines and whatnot what are a couple things that you've seen that continuously happen when a company does not file properly or a person doesn't file properly and, and any one of these intellectual properties fields so in the patent space you're a little bit more discreet uh, it, the one thing we haven't talked about yet, Magnus, is the uh, cost. The mm. uh, cost of a patent, obtaining a patent, is um, considerable. It's an it's an asset. You're building an asset, right. and it's a front loaded cost. Unfortunately, in the U.S. Patent Office, not so much in foreign patent office. They they tend to charge more for maintenance and stuff. But in the U.S., it's an upfront loaded cost. Trademarks relatively inexpensive. Copyrights they're they're a nit to to file and register them. Okay, okay. to go after someone and sue them on it. it, depending on the value, it's really a value-dependent proposition, getting the answer to your question uh, is, is in and of itself its own paradigm. I'll make an example. I had a client a few years ago that was selling certain product on the web, and they had very nice models with videos and they had a very nice web presence, and they had very nice product, and they had a good return policy, and all these other things. Another company in another part of the world, uh, it's North America, so at least a three, right? Uh, copied everything they did. Every single thing. They stole the videos. Now, did we have registered copyrights on them yet? Nope. Did we have trademarks on anything? Nope. If they had spent a little bit of the money that they spent over... Uh, and the manufacturing side, where they started the business from, to protect those, we could have gone after the infringer day one. Could have been in court day one. We didn't have the opportunity. I personally would have loved to have gone after this other company. We didn't have the opportunity to go after them until about eight, nine months 
And that was an expedited, that was a super speed. Wow. Trademark registration, copyright registration, this, that, the other thing. And of course they took everything down. So I have programs and so on and so forth that watermark a website and show exactly what the URL is, the date and time and stuff. Infringement, provable. Enforcement, not engageable until you go there. So once again, all the time and money spent procuring a contract, getting your business up and running, there's got to be a little token effort if you consider it important to your business and you consider your business important to protect the IP, little token effort and amount of money to do some initial protection so you don't have to wait. Because the worst thing, that's how people have startup business, which again, I represented hundreds. The startup business, they did fine. Their business was fine. They made a lot of money. But to get this other company out of the way cost them a more time, effort, and, 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 and length of time to mm -hmm. go after them than they probably would have liked. And it would have been easier up front if they had said, hey, got a new business. Can we get a couple trademarks? Can we get copyrights on this? We got videos. They spent a lot of money on these influencer videos. These, these, these people that were doing the videos, they spent a lot of money, more than they ever spent with me. But they, so they got the marketing down, okay. they got the contracts down, but what they didn't get is the IP. And then when they went to try to protect it, oh, sugar, we can't do that. Wow. So loss of revenue, loss of time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, loss of customers. Loss of customer confusion, confusion because somebody ordering from them would return it to them and it's not their product. They made them look bad if it was if it was ill-prepared Ill product. Wow, that's just so that's you're just... actually infecting you you're you you're providing the opportunity for your competitors who are cheap and easy in certain spaces to give you to degrade your business uh, goodwill. Okay. Well, I'll, while we're talking about this, I'm reminded of going to New York City. <laughs> you know, I spent a lot of time in New York City. There you go. Quite a few years uh, on Canal Street, if you will, and you know the people with the giant plastic bags. You know, trying to Louis Vuitton, yes, Louis Vuitton, Tag Howard, you know, whatever, you know, all, all the name brand stuff, Coach. Um, they're actually in one causing infringement, causing product damage, and people sometimes actually think they're actually getting the real thing. I know, I know. You know, it's I thought about that too. So I had it's like, oh, you can buy a pair of Oakleys for twenty dollars. I'm like. No, no, the Oakleys I bought were two hundred dollars. I'm like, there's no way I got it for twenty. <laughs> That's exactly it. And you know, there's so there's a paradigm in trademark where you can, if one particular, it's hard to chase the chase the rabbit down the hole, right? So there is a paradigm where you can stop infringement at the border of the country. So if a creative Oakleys comes in, it's a good example. If creative Oakley comes in from China. And you knew about it and you know that they're making infringing product over there it comes in regularly you can engage the u.s enforcement mechanism trade uh, the, the trade division the department of treasury the department of uh, importation you can go get them to stop crates at the book but it's got to be worth the money it's it's, it's a very expensive process to execute because now you're engaging the fbi and so on and so forth you have to prove you have the trademark back to filing early prove you find the trailer you have to prove that you have goodwill in it. You have to prove, you almost have to prove that the, the imported goods are indeed infringing 
which means you can go to the ITC. There's a separate court for importation, international trade court. You go there and you say, look, these, this company's importing these goods. They've been doing it for years. We're losing revenue. Then they engage the federal processes to go get that stuff. Same with patents. Uh, but that's that's when you're down the road. That's when your company's making, you know, $50 million and losing five or 10 or, or something. It, it has to be significant. So it's basically a court infringement case. Uh, but it okay. has to do with import-export rather than um, use within the United States. Okay. Wow, that's well. Uh, I'm no, I know companies with a big enough, you know, impact. But sometimes they'll just let it go through, as you're talking about. And it's like a couple boxes, exactly. a couple boxes. Are, it's like you know, they're gonna they're gonna go away. They're gonna break. They're gonna be out of the market anyway. Now I, you know, we're we have like you know about 20 minutes left of the show and i here's a, here's a question for you that i know people want to know and this will actually lead, lead to the segue to to the end of the show is how do we get started in these processes each one of these processes is a specialty so how do we start researching it you know so we know the questions to ask we know who to find and we know where to find the right person to do the right job so I analogize my work to that of a doctor. You can go on WebMD and you can get information about your high blood pressure, about your 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 soup, you know, your your diabetes and stuff. You can get the basic information on on the web and say, here's how I lead a better life in your eyes, here's how I can be cleaner. But if you really want the help, you're gonna go to the doctor, right? right? So you can research these things and say, look, I think we need a trademark now. We need we need this. You can get online. There's a lot of online resources. I'm happy to provide them to the viewers after this uh, webinar um, to get a head start, to start to think about the process. At the end of the day, to properly protect what it is that you think is your core business, you're gonna wind up hiring an attorney to come and do that. And so one of the services I've found that a lot of clients appreciate, particularly when they're starting a new business, is I'll come in and I'll do a top-down IP. Remember, I'm a general attorney as well. So I went to law school. I took all torts and trusted estates and stuff. But that's not what we're dealing with on a daily basis, right? I go in, it's his business and it's IP. So I'll go in and I'll say, where are your employment agreements? This is a classic example. We got three software developers. Are they signing the copyrights to you every minute? They're keying the strokes for every piece of software they're writing? Where's that agreement? Where are the IP terms in that agreement? Mm -hmm. Let's get that locked down. Let's get this locked down. You literally, Magnus, you have to start at the oh, right. the, the day, the, the, the people walking in the door and what they're doing every moment, not to mention the inventions they're making or the marketing department, the trademarks they're generating or the copyright people, the software developers, what they're creating. You have to start way over here. And by the time you're in mid-level, this business is kind of getting up and running. If you've done everything right, and the, the, everything is with a capital E, it's a big E, everything, then you're okay, you're okay. You have, a, you have a big stick in your pocket. You can write the letter to the ex-software developer who took all the software that he left with the firm with and say, uh-uh, uh, don't, don't market that, don't send that out there. We see you as a competitor, we're coming after you. Then he gets an attorney and they say, well, is it the same thing, is it not this? We can have that argument. We can't have that argument unless they're contractually bound up front, mm -hmm. copyrights are protected. So this is an ongoing business protection paradigm. Right. And one thing that I've done with every person that works for the publishing company or myself or whatever 
I have them sign that NDA, non-disclosure that's, agreement. That's one element. And, yep. and I have in that agreement any written, written, spoken, video, any media created while employed by me or by the company is property of LPS Publishing House. Precisely. You you have no rights to this. You have no rights to any royalties or any payments after this. You are being paid per project, and that is all. That's exactly. and I have it. I have it copied for whatever they write, whether it's plots, um, summaries, st- short stories, long stories, whatever it is. Right. Um, videos. I have everything done for that. So that's something that somebody out there would love. You know. It doesn't have to be just one contract per person. I hate doing one contract per per thing, and I, I do a blanket one that does everything. Work, yeah, you get it right first, and then you can use it over and over and over again. But the, you yep. know, I get a lot, a lot of clients say, "Hey, I have one developer who's got these delta terms. He wants to to change a few things here. You get ten minute review. I'm like, yes, 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 no, no, bam, done, back. Sign the guy up. He's, he's your favorite developer. Go use him. I never stop business. That's not the point. The point right. is to protect the business. Now, businesses in general, I know I found a bad business not to use anymore, which is called Pinnacle. Do not use them for trademarking. Stay away from them. <laughs> Let's not Just disparage anybody here. We don't, we don't want to <laughs> stay away from them. If they contact you, don't do it. Uh, they're actually under investigation, but that you can ser- search that stuff on, on online. So one thing, one question I do have as we're running down on time what are a couple things to keep in mind when searching for someone how to tell a bad um a not so reputable company or person and to stay away from them like what kind of questions really good question but we have only like three or four minutes for that i understand i know it's it's reputational i mean it really is about how you feel about working with someone and i i it's like anything else in life you get what you pay for if you're looking for the basement bottom bargain and then 49 is your budget $49 $49 is your budget. Uh, the people that do that are going to not probably get the value for the for the money that they paid. Um, it's difficult. It's difficult. And that's increasingly so in the patent space, too, because those are some of the most technical. So there's a phrase in the industry that the, the most difficult sentence in all legal to write is a patent claim. A properly written patent claim, which is the property boundaries of that patent, is is infinitely in value depending on the business, right? But getting the right person to write it is the key. And somebody who's done it for many years is usually the better way to go. Um, and how much they treat your business. If they, if they take your calls and they, uh, they care about your business, then they're probably going to be looking out for you. If they don't have that kind of headspace, if they don't treat you in that regard, it's like a it's like a bad doctor who's a bad terrible bedside manner. Then maybe you don't go back to them. Um, unlike the doctor, though, where you can go back and I don't like this guy. He didn't give me the right. To, he couldn't take a, a blood pressure. I go to this guy. You can change doctors. You write a patent. You down. You're now you're kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. So it really is reputationally based. Yeah, that's definitely. Well, when I when I searched for mine, my the reputation was actually good at the time. When I searched for it, it's like uh. And then when a, a lot of red flags came up, if you use your common sense with it, and I, I asked a lot of questions and they couldn't answer them. Once I knew that, I'm like, that's, we're, we're done here. This is exactly where we're stopping. This is it. It was actually in the port where uh, it was actually at the USPPO. 
And that's and, when and I, Magnus, I, I learned something myself. I mean, I 25 years of practice. I had not, I knew there was a database that the U S trademark office had for practitioners that were on the roll. And just let's give our reviewers a little bit of context here. There are bots that came out in about 2014, 2015, combined with a law firm in the United States. It, it really probably is just a hut roof. I mean, it doesn't really exist in the physical space where the lawyer would be filing U.S. trademarks on behalf of Chinese companies. What they were doing is locking out a bunch of words for no reason whatsoever. So that's when the U.S. Trademark Office first started bearing down on the voluminous uh, and, quite frankly, illegal uh, application for trademarks. And what got swept up with that was the basement bargain people who are doing the right thing, the wrong thing, or whatever, because they're kind of doing the same thing. Not really, but it's kind of the same thing. Trademark Office has gotten very diligent about that. Okay. Patent Office, that's used, that's not a problem. It, it, there's way too much time and effort that goes into a patent for anybody to short shrift it. Uh, copyright, they're, they, it's part of the Library of Congress, okay? So they're basically collecting stuff there. The object of the Copyright Office is just collect all the artistic stuff that we possibly can. Oh, you want a copy or registration? Here you go. It's $50 filing fee and it may be an hour or two of lawyer's time. And there's no examination. The heaviest examination happens with patents, three years, you still get an examination. Trademark, sometimes you get an examination. So in the business space, this business space with trademark is one that has been abused by entities that are less than uh, scrupulous. Uh, and that trademark has come down on that. You happen to be a victim of that, unfortunately. Well, you know, I, I learned from for everybody out there. It's it's a fact of life. Things happen. But Brian, I we are at the end of the show, and I told you it'd be it would come fast, and yeah. it's already here. Uh, so thank you for being on the show. Thank How you. can the listeners here, uh, from now until future, till whenever they hear this, get a hold of you and ask you questions, or possibly get your services? For, for whatever uh, so they I've need. got several different websites. One, uh, I, I don't have them up yet. I kind of under the radar screen. I don't. I'm a private person, so. Uh, but I have an email address, and that's Brian with an I, B R I A N. That's at B K J E S Q. So my initials, Bravo Kilo Juliet Echo Sierra Quebec dot com. Send me an email. I'm on LinkedIn. Magnus, if you want to share that with any of our listeners, mm -hmm. that's fine. Uh, but Brian Johnson, I've been a practitioner for 25 years. Well, oh, 27 years maybe now um, uh, in both uh, corporate America as well as some of the largest law firms. So uh, I try to fancy myself as a, a business leader that has IP knowledge uh, that can get you up and started or protected. So whether it's an enforcement issue, okay, we got to get the website people off or whether it's, hey, we're starting a new business. We really want to get this off the ground starting in the right direction. Uh, I can certainly help anybody that requests that help. Awesome. I appreciate your time, sir. Everybody, that's the show for today. If you missed any bit of it, it will be uploaded tonight and rebroadcasted or on your favorite podcast streaming service. Until next week, please go outside, enjoy something, uh, do a little research, uh, and we will come back. With, I will have another topic for you for next week. Have a Thank great week. Have a great summer. Thanks for listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter on the Voice America Business Channel. 
We look forward to the next show where we will be making more money for you. Until then, have a fantastic week.